Hello and welcome to our Christmas episode of the Poetry Pause. This is our review of the year, picks of the year really, and we're also doing a dedication show where we dedicate poems to different people, people who've asked for dedications and people we feel deserve dedications. So how has our podcast year been? What do you reckon, Emma? I've loved it. This is the thing I look forward to more than anything. Just the chance to dive in and really uh, explore the lives and work of different poets. It feels like a real treat. Great. And some of our listeners are saying that as well, which is uh, which is is very nice. I mean, you know, I always like to sort of analyse things and... We haven't done quite as many episodes as I would have hoped this year, but I think we have had some live adventures. We have. Right by the river, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail later on, and also The Way of the Witch. Uh, So we'll talk about the live events that we've had that sit alongside this podcast. And I think really it's made me realise we've been on a bit of a quest, I think, to how do you combine this sort of digital study of poetry with doing things live in the community, which mm. we really love doing. And I do think we're moving a bit more towards what we want to do in that yeah. way. So so that's all good. So shall we start with our first dedication? Yes. And this is from Louise Thomas, who has a, been a contributor to this podcast and is also a member of Narbeth Poets, uh, who workshop at the museum. And this is a dedication to a friend of hers. Christmas is particularly difficult for people who have been bereaved during the year. I've written this poem for my lovely friend Jan. Absence. Barring pacts, This will happen when we love. One will leave first. The other must endure. Don't try to be brave. Just do what you can on all those special days when absence makes normal impossible. Do it differently. Stomp up the downs on Christmas Day. A cheese sandwich and flask on your back. Or stand and chuck rocks at the sea. Be whoever you need to be. Not merry, not happy, but breathing. And over to you now, Emma. Okay, so our next dedication is for Ellie Keane. And she writes, My mum, Anne Keane helped set up Narbeth Museum during the late 1980s. My mum loved poetry. She always had a poetry book with bookmarks in at hand. She passed away on the 31st of August 2021 after being diagnosed with cancer in April 2021. By her bed was a book of poetry with bookmarks in. And Ellie says she has happy memories as a teenager helping at the museum during the holidays. She remembers Miss Lee Davis, Ray Davis, the Princess and the Colonel, all of whom founded the museum. Just like her mum, they were remarkable because of their resilience, tenacity and kindness. 
and she wishes she'd told him um, how much she admired her. And so Ellie would like a poem that represents the whole group, the people who founded Narbeth Museum. Fab. Museum. For Ellie Keane, her mum Anne, Miss Lee Davis, Ray Davis, the princess and the colonel, who all founded Narbeth Museum. Museum by Thomas Hardy. Here's the mould of a musical bird long passed from light, which over the earth before man came was winging. There's a contralto voice I heard last night that lodges in me still with its sweet singing. Such a dream is time that the coo of this ancient bird has perished not, but is blent, or will be blending, mid visionless wilds of space with the voice that I heard in the full-fugued song of the universe unending. Wow, that's really fab. It just reminds you what a fantastic poet Thomas Hardy Mm. was. That blent and blending. Yeah. Just really great. That's so lovely and really nice that Ellie wanted to make that dedication, isn't it? So, So we've been doing Welsh poets this season and we're not quite finished with them yet, but we're, you know, well underway. Has there anything special come out of this for you, Emma? I think I think the differences in subject matter between the poets and the way they tackle writing and the approaches they take. I think I was in danger before of thinking of of kind of grouping together Welsh poets and had maybe, you know, even being Welsh myself, just a kind of idea of how what the approach might be and what it might cover. So I've, it's been really interesting for me to really pick apart and, and find similarities and differences between approach and subject matter between Welsh writers. Yes. What about you? Yes. Well, I'm delighted at what we're unearthing in the Welsh women's... Absolutely. Yeah. ...poetry, because... I think we don't cheer enough of Welsh women poets mm. and we hear loads about Dylan Thomas and R.S. Thomas. And and so that's really great. And I was sort of really delighted by Gillian Clark, who mm. I didn't think I would have much affinity with, but I found I've got like huge affinity yeah. with her and I find her really, really interesting. Mm. So... So, yes, it's great. And I'm very excited because we're going to be coming on to sort of newer voices in the future episodes. I think we're going to have some great poets that Mm. we're talking about there with a lot of potential. So that is all very exciting. Uh, And on that note, I thought we should put in a bit of Dylan Thomas. So here's a very short excerpt from A Child's Christmas in Wales. And this is dedicated to Welsh people everywhere. Yay. People who would like to be Welsh but can't be and people who aren't in Wales and miss it like mad. All the Christmases roll down toward the two-tongued sea like a cold and headlong moon bundling down the sky that was our street. And they stop at the rim of the ice-edged fish-freezing waves and I plunge my hands in the snow and bring out whatever I can find. 
in goes my hand into that wool-white, bell-tongued ball of holidays, resting at the rim of the carol-singing sea, and out come Mrs. Prothero and the firemen. It was on the afternoon of the day of Christmas Eve, and I was in Mrs. Prothero's garden, waiting for cats with her son Jim. It was snowing. It was always snowing at Christmas. December in my memory is white as Lapland, though there were no reindeers. But there were cats. Patient, cold and callous, our hands wrapped in socks, we waited to snowball the cats. Sleek and long as jaguars, and horrible whiskered, spitting and snarling, they would slink and sidle over the white back garden walls. And the lynx-eyed hunters, Jim and I, fur-capped and macassin trappers from Hudson Bay off Mumbles Road, would hurl our deadly snowballs at the green of their eyes. So I picked that because I think it's really those adjectives, you know, mm. hyphenated adjectives. It's very Dylan Thomas. It is. And last year we read the end of the story, which is quite funny if you remember. Mm. So uh, this is a big recommend if you're stuck for something to read on Christmas yeah. Eve. So I wanted to chat a little bit now on this review with you. We mentioned Right by the River and... I live near a village called Langum or Langham, uh, which is the Viking way of pronouncing it. And I think the population is about 820 people. And it's a small, quite quirky village on the River Clairai. It has one excellent pub, a village hall, a rugby pitch. And once a year, a wizard called Michael Pugh conjures up the most amazing literary festival, ably helped by Val and Anne-Maria and a whole host of village volunteers. And this year, the themes were, one might be described as geopolitical, and there were some just amazing speakers, Mm. including Catherine Belton, who wrote Putin's People, And Lucy Hannah, who edited My Pen is the Wing of a Bird, a collection of short stories from Afghan woman writers. Now, you led this workshop, Emma, right by the river. Would you like to describe how it worked and what happened? Yes, so... I thought it would be a really lovely idea, as we were kind of on the banks of the Clethai, to... We were literally right by the river, so we thought I thought we could do some writing by the river. So looking at other poetry, as we do in this podcast, and, and finding inspiration in it, I took some short extracts of poetry and prose that I felt were appropriate for different stopping points along the way. And it was just a really lovely meditative summer's morning. We, we walked, we read the poetry and prose, we had a little prompt and stopped at these key locations. And when we came back to where the Litfest was based, we spent some time creating poems or pieces of flash fiction from the kind of field notes we'd made along the way. And it was just a really lovely way to spend a Sunday morning. So, yeah, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. It was really contemplative. And 
you know, the feedback you got was absolutely tremendous. Mm. And our podcast has got a pick of the year, really, which is these two amazingly brave woman writers, Catherine Belton and Lucy Hanna, sat on a bank by mm. the river writing, you know, and yeah. I, I just feel we were so honoured to host them and to yeah. have them here. Yeah. And that whole weekend, because it was very hot, had an almost magical quality it about it. So Yeah, the light on the river and yeah. it was just perfect. It yeah. was lovely. So that was great and I think really something to celebrate. Yeah. And, you know, more please, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, keep weaving your magic. And I think you've got the next dedication of New End. I have. This is a dedication for Elaine, who's actually written a few words of her own before I go on to read a poem that we've chosen for her. She's written, Your now familiar voice breaks into my solitude. It's familiar, comfortable. You like my company, my cooking, my chatter. You are my new companion. That's very nice. That's lovely. So the poem we've chosen for Elaine and her new companion is called Night by Sarah Teasdale. Stars over snow, and in the west a planet swinging low below a star. Look for a lovely thing and you will find it. It is not far, it will never be far. It was lovely, it's a lovely poem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We've come across her poetry before, I think, in the podcast. I can't remember Mm. what episode, but we have done something. I think when we were doing the poems during lockdown, somebody did a Sarati's poem, I've got a feeling. Okay, great. So, moving on. Well, we're kind of returning a little bit now to the museum, which, you know, clearly is going to be a theme here as we, you work there and do marvellous things and we have the workshops there. So, we did The Way of the Witch. And what was the thinking behind this for you? Well, for me, I I just thought it was a, a kind of interesting way, as I've been working on the Women of West Wales project, for a few years to kind of bring that together with the idea of kind of Halloween and the autumnal themes and poetry to kind of tie all of my big loves together in an interesting way and to just really explore kind of the history of witchcraft and women accused of witchcraft and and also to bringing some poetry as a kind of potion or incantation and to create something lovely and magical out of it so that's what the the evening went meant to me yeah yeah and I mean we did have a very big turnout didn't we yeah which was fantastic I wasn't sure I sometimes think with events you can kind of slightly con people Mm -hmm. to come to poetry events by by the theme (laughs) there might have been a slight element of that but I think what was really interesting was you know, you talked about the history of witchcraft locally, which yeah. people are tremendously interested in. And I talked a little bit about the psychology of witchcraft and we did some interactive work on that really yeah. and discussion based on power, ritual and visualisation. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting the extent to which people wanted to talk about ritual mm. and the uses of it and how it served them well or didn't serve them that we only scraped the surface in terms of the poetry we covered. And actually, we've got a huge stack of poetry on the theme that we can take further next Mm. year. So 
it was, you know, it's a very interesting experiment. Mm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people said they'd like more of this stuff. Yeah. So I think in a way it's it's sort of using poetry as a focus for community interest and discussion yeah. really mm. and, and we didn't exclude prose either no. but it, 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 it was yes it was a very interesting event and, and fun yeah so uh, so that's really good it's an interesting way of of engaging people in poetry as well in because I think that it can feel quite alienating and if you have an interesting topic or angle it can really bring people in Yes, yeah, the topic sort of leads the way in the yeah. way, isn't it? That's the mm. hook. That's yeah. the hook for people. Yeah. And then it's almost that some of its poetry is just kind of by the by, really. Yeah. Um, so it sort of fits with our view that poetry should be like the NHS, free for everybody. And Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, prescribed all over the place. Okay, so our next dedication is more about sort of habits and behaviour at Christmas. Mm. And lovely Louise Thomas who's part of our gang, as I mentioned earlier, she's going to talk about Twelfth Night. Some people put Christmas up really early. I put it up very late, possibly less than a week beforehand. But I find it very difficult to take it down again. Um, So this is a poem I wrote some time ago called Twelfth Night. It's time to take down Christmas although it grieves my heart. I use my grandson's birthday as a reason not to start. I should have been a Hindu or Jewish for the light. Hanukkah and Diwali both make the winter bright. Old Christmas must be put away, go forward with the year. But I'll leave up one more string of lights to make the nights less drear. And now, if we're going to have a poet of the year, we've got a picture of the year, a photograph of the year, then I think it's going to have to be Christian Donovan, who has been a contributor to the podcast and comes to our workshops and is also the storyteller at Cary Castle. And we have to pick Christian because she was magnificent in a Channel 4 programme about Pembrokeshire with the amazing... Rosie Jones doing her storytelling at Keru Castle. And here she's written um, a really upbeat, lovely poem about Nine Lessons. On the Sunday before Christmas, Daddy and my big brother bookend the second pew from the front. To prevent possible skirmishes, Mummy in furry pillbox hat and gloves, is a buffer between us younger children. Ding-dong, merrily on high. Tickling the pulpit, a tree drizzles Episcopal purple tinsel. Star-crowned, it guards the straw-roofed stable tableau. Yesterday, I was chosen to place a donkey next to Mary. The vicar sing-songs a welcome. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. My red-waistcoated father grips the griffin-headed lectern, waits for silence to ripple to a full stop. He turns the pages of a monumental Bible. 
punctuated by familiar carols. He links Adam's sin, prophets, angels, virgin birth, shepherds and magi. Mary, Joseph, babe, all lie in a manger. I don't know why. At the end, his voice swaddles me. In the beginning was the word. So let's just talk a little bit now about our personal, if you like, poetry years. So, Emma, what have you, how has poetry gone for you this year? Who have you liked? What have you thought? What have you written? Okay, so I think if we're talking about rituals, we have been and kind of how it kind of pieces the year together. I think this podcast really has enhanced my own writing because it, it really it forces me to sit down and and engage and do it because you can always find something else you should be doing and and in that respect it's been a real it's become a ritual for me and and one I love in terms of things that I've loved in poetry this year there's a book called The History of Wales in 12 Poems which I've really enjoyed mm. because it's again it's brought together lots of my interests so I work at a museum so it's like history and there's lovely woodcuts in it and I just mm. love everything about it mm. so mm. so yeah so how about you Pippa? Well it, it's just I'm a bit like you I think it's really interesting that history of Wales in 12 poems because rather like this podcast it narrows your focus yeah you know on actually what is quite a small selection and in a way I think that makes you think more mm. And it's a kind of antidote, you know, it's what they call a sort of deep dive, isn't it? Yeah. Or more like long-form journalism where you really think about a smaller selection yes. of poems. And and I think we do this in the podcast and it does, it's productive, I think. Yeah. So I've thought quite a lot about what I like about poetry this year. And I've realised this business of community and Poetry being used as a focus for community is very important to mm. me. I absolutely love it. And, you know, making poetry sort of accessible and fun for people, helping people want to write it is is really important. But I've also realised that I like people who write poetry. I like what they want to talk about. Yeah. I like their preoccupations. Mm. It gives me a sort of social grouping that I wouldn't have anywhere else. Yeah. You know, and I do write other stuff. I mean, I do bits of journalism and I do bits of crime writing, but it's not quite the same mm. as groups of poets getting together. And, you know, you can swing from sort of talking about how to maybe try and get your poem in a magazine to talking about something that is really deeply concerned with the meaning of life. Yeah. And that is what I love about mm. I love the company of poets, actually, in discussion. Yeah. And I found a lot of enjoyment and learning in doing that online. So I really enjoyed workshops by Jacqueline Safra yeah. on sonnets, Ella Frias on short poems. Mm. I go to an almost regular workshop with a spoken word poet called Leanne Modem on a Sunday night. She's based in the Midlands and she's absolutely terrific. And there you're given quite 
tight writing exercises, mm. which which is really good. And she picks amazing poems. And I also really enjoy Wendy Pratt's challenges, which she runs on a Facebook group. Yeah. She's the editor and creator of Spelt magazine, right. which is focused on rural stuff. And she runs challenges with different themes over a period of weeks. And I found those to be very productive. I mean, I don't mm. do a poem for every prompt, but I usually get two or three poems. Yeah. So, And interestingly enough, she's just doing one at the moment on ritual. So, mm. And in the new year, I'm signed up to do a Joe Bell poetry wow. course on history and yeah. poetry. So I love learning about poetry online. Yeah. I think it just it's just really suited to it. What about you? Have you got anything uh, coming up? No, I've got a completely free start to the new year. My hope is personally to get more stuff out to magazines because that's always the thing that I never seem to get round to. And, I, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome thing creeps in and you just think, oh, no, I can't. But no, that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to, to do it, to get out there and and share my poetry a bit more. Good. And yeah, I agree about the community thing. I love being in our poetry group and I love prompts and workshops. So yeah, to sign up for more workshops. Great. I'll be on your back about oh, that. Oh, I know you will. Okay. <laughs> You've said it now yeah. and people have heard it. Should we go for our final dedication then? Do you want to do yours first, Emma? I will. So my very personal dedication is to my husband, Luke, who has been with me for the for the past 25 years listening to me going on about poetry and all kinds of things so i've written this unashamedly nostalgic christmas poem um for him it's called listening to a child's christmas in wales with you christmas eve the world turns static vinyl skips stills the candle shudder a breath of ice seeps through, seeks what we've got. But the light is ours, this tiny flame, a crackle of wax warms as our story burns. Oh, that's really lovely. Lucky Luke. <laughs> <laughs> so, my final dedication is for Alan, our neighbour, who was a fan of this podcast and is sadly no longer with us. He has a lovely granddaughter called Ella, along with Oliver, Mitty and Rohan, his other grandchildren. And this is a poem that Carol and Duffy wrote for Ella. Christmas Eve. Time was slow snow sieving the night, a kind of love from the blurred moon. Your small town swooning, unabashed, was winter's own. Snow was the mind of time, sifting itself, drafting the old year's end. You wrote your name on the window pane with your young hand, and your wishes went up in smoke, beyond where a street lamp studied the thoughtful snow on Christmas Eve, beyond belief. As time, snow, darkness, child kindled. Downstairs, the ritual lighting of the candles. Oh, that's such a beautiful poem. I know, yes. Mm. I mean, well, she can knock them yeah. out, can't she? 
thanks to everybody uh, for listening from both of us. Yes, thank you for listening this year. And have a peaceful and joyous Christmas. And we'll you'll hear from us in the new year. We won't see you, but uh, you'll hear from us. So have a good new year too. Deal. <laughs>